people of the internet, you're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I am your co-host, Hugh David. And I'm your other co-host, Dev. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at Minute 42. Joining us on today's show, we have John Straw of the Super Candid Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome back, John. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. And so in today's minute, we have uh martin blank uh spying on debbie down a sniper scope or rangefinder <laughs> and uh trying to figure out who else is in town uh courtesy of his excellent pa marcella who is going to find all of this out for him mm. uh who the two spooks the government spooks and the ghoul the other hitman in town are um making this a town of three hitmen and two government agents in a very small well-off suburb of detroit so (laughs) definitely a place i want to be there's something really interesting about the fact that a man who spent is literally talking about doing an assassination on the phone is looking through what is basically uh as you said some sort of you know scope and or rangefinder you know which still has crosshairs on it you know the woman he used to love she's literally in his crosshairs like we're not going to be metaphorical here we're not going to do subtext it's like yes (laughs) here we go bang (laughs) as marcella's asking him if he's done the job is he being professional is he is he on the job and he's got debbie in his sights yeah, uh, and he doesn't know how apropos that is yet. No, and neither do we. But it's perfect foreshadowing. Um, yeah. yeah, and also it's like that whole thing about this is his focus. Actually, his real target, his real yes. focus is her. This is what it's really all about. But at the same time, it's spooky. It's just like, dude, come on! You're standing yes. in the middle of the high street in the sun, you know, dressed all in black, looking at your ex through a sniper scope. Like that is kind of the de- that ought to be the definition of, you know, something very wrong with you. Yes, I I love that his answers to Marcella's questions remind me of me when I'm sat in a meeting and I haven't been listening, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like the most generic. Like, let's try and punt this without making it obvious that I haven't been paying any attention whatsoever. Yes. Kind of answers. <laughs> Not um, that I ever don't pay attention in meetings, but dude, of course, who like, w- would that I didn't pay attention in meetings? This is exactly how I would be responding. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I have been guilty of this before. Um, I do want to, <laughs> regarding the business of why one should be careful about you know, what kind of person looks through scopes of you. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast. <laughs> so in two thousand. I lived in Brighton in, in the south of England and I shared a flat with a guy who was a incredibly well-paid uh, programmer for financial systems, although he'd started in web and he made a ton of money and back then didn't even have to work from he didn't even have to go into the office all the time either he, he was already doing like half a week work from home and stuff um, and so uh, uh, yeah he just had a whole bunch of of like he, he he had toys like like as like grown up toys. So he drove. He had a couple of sports cars, right, and all sorts of things. And what and, and and one time he he was like he put. We used to drink a lot. Like for his birthday, he got given an optic, which if you don't know is the thing you put on a bottle in the bar so you could put a glass under it and have it pour out. He was given an optic to attach to our coffee table in the lounge, <laughs> and we would have we would each buy a bottle, a different bottle each week, right? Anyway, one night Saturday night. 
we're sitting there and it's awesome and so getting dark early and we're watching tv and we've got this big old window that looks out because we're in an under roof flat we're right up on the hill in brighton five by the way so we look it looks right down across all these other houses and you can actually see the sea from where we are right so it's gorgeous and something like that and and he says to me he says have you ever used a night vision scope and i'm like no and he's like do you want to try a night vision scope i was like uh okay and he comes out with this russian ex-russian night vision thing that he picked up on ebay i have no idea why you bought this he says ah, i just thought it'd be fun so we sit there we're, we're half cut we're drinking and we take turns looking out the window using this night vision and i suddenly realized that the house opposite us like well, so it's two streets away, but we can see directly into the back windows. I suddenly realise it is populated by student nurses. <laughs> it's Saturday night, and they're getting ready to go out. <laughs> and, I, uh, classic. and I was like, we were both single at the time, and I was like, I handed him the glasses, and he's looking, and he hands them back, and we both look at each other, and he's like, <laughs> this... This re- we really should stop, shouldn't we? Yeah, we really should. Like, this is not what anyone looking at, if anyone knew what we were doing, this is not right, is it? No, this is not right. Okay, so we put the lights, we put it away, put the lights on, pull the- <laughs> close the curtains. But it's just that moment where you're like, uh, what are we doing here exactly? <laughs> so when I say, oh, M- Martin, what are you doing? I really mean it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. dude, really? Just, I, I, I like the fact that when he starts talking in the phone, there's a point where he suddenly realizes he suddenly looks around him, like he suddenly realizes, oh wait, I'm in public. He puts the the scope away really, really quickly. Um, so yeah. even he has his moment. He gets that moment. He's like, oh. is is it that he's had that realization, or is it the realization that he wasn't paying attention to his surroundings with regards to possible targets? Both. Yeah. <laughs> Why not both? Probably, probably. Considering that he then has the line, that he has the line just being a professional. <laughs> yeah, and I always kind of felt like he was actually speaking about his interactions with Debbie in yes. that, rather than yes. his interactions with uh, with uh, the target. I mean, obviously not with the target because he hasn't even looked at his target. Yeah, yet, but or he's anything obviously trying to cover that. Yeah. Yeah, but he is very Sorry. much kind of. Um, but it is, as you say, that if, if there is a subtext here, that's the subtext. It's about yeah. his behavior and what he's doing and how he's doing it. So, so I, I mean, the, I'm, I'm kind of skipping through to the second half of this minute. If if you've not got anything else on the 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 sniper scope and the spying on Debbie bit, yeah. I, I the only thing I was thinking of when we were talking about him being so obvious and you know simply looking at her in the middle of the street i i was thinking i when i fir- first moved into this house i was setting up a telescope uh because yeah i like to do stargazing sometimes and i was using the tree above my neighbor's house to line up the viewfinder and the telescope and so i was you know in the front yard with my telescope my it's a you know a fairly large telescope pointed directly at what you know for all intents and purposes was my neighbor's you know upstairs windows <laughs> uh and 
I felt very self-conscious about it. I, I ended up moving to reorient. So I'm looking in a way that it does not appear to be, you know, viewing into my neighbor's house, uh, you know, while I was doing that. And I think in this world, you know, he's lost his sense of being observed, you know, because maybe because as a hitman, he's so used to working in the shadows, he thinks that he's always invisible. And at least in the film, very i can't recall if anybody ever comments on him doing any of these things it seems to be you know the the rest of the people just you know go about their business while he's doing these rather suspicious activities i mean it is the middle of what is presumably a working day right like i feel there may not be that many people around or paying attention to this kind of behavior uh, I do feel like I'm missing out though by not having a story of like weirdly realizing that I'm yeah. Creeping sorry, what... John, you missed earlier. Yeah. I have a sim- I gave a similar story to do with night. Yes, night- yeah. yeah. So I could I, yeah, I caught so, most of it. So I'm just feeling left out now. I need to, I need to <laughs> try and get myself into some odd situation where somehow I'm now inexplicably being a weird creep. <laughs> I, I think you. Were I'll work ju- on it. I think you were just uh, a little bit less odd than us when you were younger. Maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird thing, right? I can't, I can't help it. It's like looking back at the seventies and eighties as a kid. There's like, I was obsessed with like little like jokey guidebooks for kids. So like, you know, how to be a spy and you know, learn to be yes. a detective in one week and that kind of thing. And so it was always like a weird obsession thing of like wanting a telescope. But, but also, as I was into stars and stuff, I was into astronomy. You kind of go. It all kind of weirdly ties together, right? Yeah, John's not the first person I've met where we share that weird thing in common of having, yes. wait, oh, wait, what am I doing here? Uh, yes. Oops, <laughs> better change it. Yes, it, it, I think it's, he almost, Martin almost forgets why he called Marcella in the first place. Yes. Because he calls her and then immediately is distracted again by Debbie. Yes. In the you know at, he initiated the phone call. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Very, very true. Very, very true. But she's also busy, which is interesting. Yeah, you know? I think also like he gets put on the back foot by her interrogation of him. Yes, right? yes. Like, all yeah. of a sudden, she's grounding him in the fact that the the primary reason he's there is to actually do a job that he's mm. completely ignored, and mm, that. Yes that throws him that's that's that moment of oh mm-hmm. wait i'm in a meeting i should have been paying attention to and i've missed the last yes. like mm-hmm. 10 minutes of it mm-hmm. it's, and i she think she assumes that he's calling to tell her it's complete mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and i i think that you know that's an interesting element or an interesting approach for her given that we feel like up to this point she's been pushing him to this high school reunion to try and get him out of the mm-hmm, business, mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, a perspective that, that Hugh and I have kind of been reflecting on. And this really undermines that this is like, she's been pushing him to do a job and, you know, just maybe it literally is because she finds it amusing that he came from somewhere that she's been pushing him to go to the, the reunion. Yes. Mm. Um, Cause even if she didn't think he'd actually go, she might've, been nudging him a bit harder in this conversation yes. yeah yeah uh, something i considered thinking of you know, as martin pulls out this you know excellent example of you know mid-1990s cell phone technology <laughs> is, you know, what what dates this film is you know the the joke the natural joke that i think if you were to be making this film today would be marcella monitoring him more closely uh 
and calling him out on, you know, okay, you're being professional. Well, it looks like you're standing outside the door of the radio station mm. uh, or something along those lines. Mm. No. Uh, GPS or... But the, she has no awareness of his activities other than what he tells her. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a, something that just wouldn't really come about these days. I, no. I never even thought of it, but you're absolutely right. And she, like to to use the phrase from the the Marvel Spider Man movies, is that she's the person in the chair, you know, the 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 mastermind uh, who who can access all this stuff, and she does some of that, but just maybe because of the technology of the era, mm. she's not whispering in his ear the way that you would see in a modern movie mm. of uh, oh, you know, there's the the two government agents are, are to your left yeah, or something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, but post twenty four, everybody, including James Bond, did that. Pre twenty four, no one does yes, it. Yeah, yes, basically, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I, the, speaking of that sort of thing, one thing I do find interesting is the use of what is the use of uh, uh, slang phrases that relate to his profession that where I know one to be true and one may or may not be true. So he says, I've already seen two spooks and a ghoul. And I find that really mm. nifty little bit of dialogue because spooks, that's an age old phrase for government agents. So that's fine. Yes. The ghoul, of course, is the character played by Benny the Jet, Erica Dez, a.k.a. Monsieur La Poubelle. Um, and I love yeah. that idea that you would have a name for the sort of people who are just completely without morals, absolute stone cold killers, the sort of thing that Martin claims not to be. But actually, right. the people that do what he does, and it seems like you know, does he distinguish between a ghoul and somebody like Grocer, who he views as a peer, yeah. uh, a fellow professional, in a sense? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder, right? That's just yeah, it's a really interesting choice. I also don't think we ever come across it again. I feel like it's just this weird yes. moment. Yes. Yeah. How many is it? Does I'm trying to think. It is. Uh, I believe it's just grocers people uh, later in the film. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, it's also an interesting choice of word because it's something fairly parasitic, right? Like, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm, mm. It's a really Some, something unsettling, distasteful. Mm. You know, he obviously views it as beneath him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But it, 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 it's, it's one of those things where, uh, it comes back to things we've said both with previous guests and with yourself about the film's concept of uh, uh, being a killer in the sense that there's this world in which um, there is a degree of professionalism, there's a set of skills, there's a set of, uh, there's a certain degree of etiquette. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's also the way that's fictionalized to the audience buys it. This idea of dialogue where the audience doesn't know if it's actually correct or not, but it sounds mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So we buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think it's interesting to distinguish uh, Benny Urquidez's professional role from the other killers yes. because he's there to enact revenge on the part of presumably his employer. So he's mm -hmm. kind of like a mafioso thug, mm. not necessarily a professional assassin. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, more of an enforcer. Yeah, maybe. That's a good way to look at it. I like that the distinction between being an enforcer and being an assassin. That's kind of that. That there is a there is a difference there. And I think he's... whatever kind of marketplace that Marcella is looking at, uh, presumably 
Martin is not necess- is li- not listed there. Uh, although I, I've tried to recall, does Grocer make a reference to the fact that there's a contract on Martin himself? Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, they 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 discuss about it because uh, Martin also asks if uh, um, Felix was put out by Grocer if Gross yeah. if that was Grocer's doing right. Yeah. And I think I think there's this uh, spectrum right where. Like Martin is this high-end professional that has known clients. He works with those clients and he performs a job that is something that works within his moral sphere. And then you've got Grosser who comes, I think, from a similar background and, and works that, but is, you know, has no qualms about doing stuff that worms more into the gray and black areas of the world. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Felix who's, probably not come from a military or at least a u.s military background Mm. and is just a pure gun for hire right like he he takes gross's wet work and is just to the nth degree right not quite Mm. like you know uh psychopathic serial killer but like very much trending in that direction right like has no qualms about doing anything Mm -hmm. anytime Hmm. and then your two government agents who are happy to be paid off by Grocer, but don't want to necessarily you know, do something that might get them in legal trouble. So they need a justification uh, in order to do the job that Grocer wants them to do. Yeah, I'm not even sure they're getting paid by Grocer. I think they're just in it for the career progression, right? Like Grocer's given them this lead. It's somebody that mm-hmm. they know is is a, a hitman. If they can get the goods on him and and take care of him, that's going to look mm. great for their career advancement. And I think that's, mm. that's where they're mm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Grocer hands them people every now and then. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that's the, I, I, at least I feel like it has to be that because I don't think, Grocer is a gross, literally is a gross guy, but I don't feel, I feel like he's hot, at least part, partly genuine in his whole, whole appeal to let's bring us all together, you know, let's all be assassins together kind of thing. Um, but the fact that he's willing to sell him, sell out another guy to the government, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. makes you know, sort of, sort of makes me th- feel like actually, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be doing that. He doesn't like doing that. He's doing it because it's a solution to a problem, and he benefits from it. But he wouldn't do it otherwise. And yes. I feel like he, I feel like he has a degree of disdain for the spooks. Because yeah, I think yes. everyone in the industry does, right? Because they're, <laughs> they're playing within the like, like they're sanctioned, right? It takes all the fun out of it if you're sanctioned, right? Yeah, true, true. I guess so. I hadn't thought of it like that. It's, it's such a James Bond thing, isn't it? To be sanctioned to do it, you know? Yeah, Licensed yeah, yeah, yeah. But but and and that's where presumably grosser, but certainly blank was right. Mm-hmm. But they were sanctioned to do it in war right mm. in 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 yes. conflict which is a little sexier when you're sanctioned to do it domestically it kind of loses its shine you're just like you know you're just working for the feds you're one of the man right like mm-hmm. it's it loses all of that romanticism yeah yeah so is that that it's kind of that progression that martin mentions when he's you know when he's explaining where he's been yes. you know in the army at war then he worked for the government, presumably doing more Violent. clandestine, yeah. you know, James Bond maybe type stuff. Right. And then he became an independent agent. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, the government 
you know, maybe it's a, a case of the government doesn't necessarily have a contract out for him, but they prefer that he not exist anymore yeah. because, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, all the, the idea of him wandering around killing people doesn't seem to be their main issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think this is probably like playing up to that kind of CIA disdain for anything domestic, right? These guys are NSA, not FBI, but like the CIA are the ones that do the real like sexy work, right? Like he kills the president of Paraguay with a fork. He yes. is in, he's a colonel in an army in Burma where he's presumably doing something to take out the general. Um, all yes. of these big operations that are, are clearly not sanctioned and he's clearly, you know, doing what he does because he's good at it. Yes. And it's interesting. I, I'm trying to, I believe, the film sneakers was a, a couple years before this yes. where the the nsa was also the you know operating outside the law somewhat mm -hmm. uh with james earl jones's character in that film yeah yeah that, kind of prophetic a... considering what happened about <laughs> 10 oh, years after that Sneaker, right sneakers is one of the greats it's a totally unsung classic because it is literally on the money in so many ways about so many things um, not and, and that film also has a very interesting attitude of you know privatized work. You know the bit where Redford's yes. like giving them the check for the, the 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 for having done the penetration job, and the researchers like you know what do you do? And he says, "What well, you know, this is what we do? We break into people's places for living." She's like, "It's not a very good one." That's <laughs> one of the best lines yes. in American movies. That like eh, really yes. I, and also, I mean, between Sneakers and Gross Point Blank, we have two of Dan Aykroyd's yes. better films from the yeah, 1990s. Absolutely, Aykroyd's. And, uh, yeah, the funny thing is that Aykroyd in Sneakers, apparently he based all of that on his brother. Apparently his brother's a total conspiracy nut, which I find fascinating. Um, Wait, this is Dan Aykroyd describing someone else as a conspiracy <laughs> nut. Well, that's, so my they, that's my point. That's my point. I was way like, up there. I was like, wait, what? But he's basically become that character for real, hasn't he? Yes, between the the, the crystal skulls and mm. uh, everything else that mm. uh, he's into, or or attempting to build, I think he, I heard that he was trying to build a real life proton pack uh, in order to use that. Uh, but yeah, as you say, between that and Gross Point Blank, we have two of Dan Aykroyd's great '90s performances that really kind of cement the the variety he's capable of. Um. Do we want to talk a little bit about Marcella uh, going off on her order, or should we save that for the next minute so that we I can get the I think let's save it for the next minute. Well. Yeah. yeah, let's save it for the next minute because we're going to be talking about the next, the second half of it. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this was uh, minute forty-two of Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio, seventy-nine point five FM. Featuring your hosts, co-writers and co-producers, myself, Dev Sodega, and my buddy, Hugh David. Today's guest and guesting with us all this week is uh, John Straw, formerly of the Super Candid Podcast. John, where can people find you these days if they want to talk to you online? I'm, pro I'm pretty active in the Discord groups for the Star Wars Minute podcast mm -hmm. and the iFanboy podcast. Highly recommend those. Uh, also, the uh, might as well mention the Movies by Minute Facebook group, uh, which is how we connected mm -hmm. uh, and a great place for people who love the medium and are interested in getting into it, uh, like myself. Cool. 
Okay, and you can find us, uh, presumably wherever you're listening to us, but as well as that, you can find us on all good podcast hosts uh, and players, as well as on YouTube, uh, X, aka formerly known as Twitter, Spotify, and in all cases, our handle is at Debbie Radio, D-E-B-I Radio. We also have a website, come and visit us there, DebbieRadio.com, once again, D-E-B-I Radio. And speaking of Facebook listeners groups, we have our own. It is Debbie Radio 79.5 FM fan club. So uh, join us there and we can talk more about this movie and movies in general. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling of mercy.